0: The Automotive News Europe podcast is brought to you by Capgemini, a global leader in technology and digital transformation. Visit us online at www.capgemini.com and learn how Capgemini can help you get the future you want.
1: Hello and welcome to the Automotive News Europe podcast for December 16th, 2021. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at a Really happy to have you along. If you want to understand where we are on the path to having self-driving cars on the road, the person to speak with is Danny Shapiro. The Vice President of Automotive at NVIDIA is helping automakers such as Volvo and Mercedes-Benz along this journey by providing them lightning-fast computing power. Shapiro said that within two years, there will be vehicles on the road that can handle a large portion of the driving, adding that these cars will actually get better over time. Why? Because they will be updatable, giving them the software they need to take the wheel in just about any situation. Hi, Danny. Thanks so much for being here today for the Automotive News Europe podcast. Thanks, Doug. Is 2022 going to be a breakthrough year when it comes to our move to having fully autonomous cars?
2: That's a really good question. I think every year is a breakthrough year. I think that what we're seeing now is is a refinement of the technologies, a driving down of the cost and and making it more widespread all over the world. Um, So there's a lot of pilot projects still going on. There's a lot of news about passenger vehicles coming out with these advanced technologies and they might not be full self-driving but they're getting automated and they're software updatable so as 2022 rolls around we're going to see a lot of vehicles on the road that are software updatable and will get better and better over time
1: i'm going to put you on the spot here i want to have an autonomous car when can i have it and how much do you think i'm going to have to pay
2: if You want to be able to buy a vehicle that can drive you around, not necessarily everywhere, but a lot of places. I think we're about two years out. You know, we've announced with Mercedes-Benz that their entire fleet will be based on NVIDIA Drive starting at the end of 2024. And, uh, and so these cars will be able to, to automate a lot of the driving. But at that day one, it's still not a finished product. The software will get better and better over time. That car will increase in value over time. And so it may be worth more five years after you buy it because at that point, it could be fully autonomous. Um, and so it's it's going to happen in the next couple of years that you'll be able to get a hold of the technology uh, and it's going to drive you around.
1: And roughly, what do you think I'm going to have to pay for that?
2: That's something you're going to have to call Mercedes and ask them. Ask them. <laughs> yeah we we work with a wide range of customers and uh they're all going to have different features and different payment plans and it again it it could be um you know around what you pay for a card today, but there may be a monthly subscription for services
1: I've heard some crazy but absolutely brilliant ideas when it comes to this, for instance, maybe spending 25, 50, a hundred euros or dollars in order to say, okay, I'm going to be on this stretch of highway and I want autonomous driving for this. And I'll pay for that. A pay as you go kind of a thing when you need it. This must be very exciting for folks in your, on your side of the industry, because this really shows that there's some thought being put into this and that this is a, a, a true commitment that we're going to get to.
2: Well, absolutely. I think the uh, consumer electronics technologies lead the car industry. It used to be by a lot. We've helped shorten that gap so that technology going into cars is not lagging far behind mobile phones. But if you think about your phone, you, it, it's the worst it is the first day you buy it. And then you start downloading new software for it and it gets better and you have new apps for it and can do things you never imagined it could do. And the same will be true of your car. You'll get over-the-air updates and you'll get new features and some of those things will be free of charge and some of those things you will gladly pay for because they add a lot of value.
1: What have you seen that has really been encouraging that you've seen when it comes to knocking out the bigger challenges on the road to full autonomy?
2: I think there's a couple of things that are kind of hidden behind the scenes. The first of which is is the software, right? You can't physically reach out and touch the software. People talk about it and how important it is and and what a big component of the car is, but again, it's it's a bit amorphous. Um, What we've done is put together uh, essentially a workflow of how car companies can build their software. Traditionally, car companies are not software companies either. And we've heard many of them talk about how they're transforming into software companies. So what we've done with our NVIDIA Drive platform is it extends beyond just the car. It goes into the cloud. And there's a whole infrastructure that needs to be built up in order to train the AI for self-driving. And so we have a whole platform that starts with collecting data. That's how you train the artificial intelligence. So humans have to drive the cars. So we'll have test drivers in our case that are collecting data so that it can teach the vehicle how to recognize the lanes or crosswalks or lights or other cars or pedestrians or motorcycles. Basically, we have to build the vocabulary of the self-driving car. So there's data collection that takes place, and then it's a massive amount of information that is run through these supercomputers to teach the artificial intelligence. So that's one area I think that a lot of development has been going on, and we're starting to see now very large data centers being built out by self-driving car companies, whether robo-taxi companies or companies like Mercedes-Benz.
1: When we talk about existing challenges, things that still need to be overcome in order to make self-driving a reality, do you think that if you were to rank them, the biggest challenges are still the technology? Or would it be the legislative part of this? Or would it be overcoming the human reluctance about giving control over to a car?
2: I think these are all interrelated. I feel from a technology perspective, we're we're very close. And we're now dealing with the long tail, as it's called. What are the, the real challenges, the things that don't happen very often but are the ones that ultimately cause accidents when humans are driving. And so that's a lot of what we're working on now. We've pretty much mastered driving on the highway, right? We have all kinds of automated uh, cruise controls, the lane keeping adaptive uh, cruise control and, and other features, blind spot monitoring. So cars can drive on the highway. And these are easier scenarios, right? We've removed the pedestrians, all the cars are going the same direction. There's generally good lane markings. And so doing a lot of testing and, uh, and data collection on the highway doesn't really result in any improvements, but it's really more urban settings and uh, other challenging areas. And so that's where simulation comes in to help us achieve breakthroughs there. You mentioned legislation, and I think, again, this is all unknown territory, but we see simulation as a way to help regulators um, control this uh, and not have companies just releasing Uh, hardware and software vehicles out on the road, but rather through simulation, we could create almost like a virtual driver's license or autonomous vehicle license. So we create an exhaustive list of scenarios that that car, that autonomous car needs to pass. And if it can do that, then it's allowed to go out on the road. And with respect to consumer behavior, I think the people that have experienced autonomous technologies are blown away by it and become adopters of it. It's more the people who read about something or how something was sensationalized or misreported. You know, we've seen articles about autonomous vehicle hits bicyclists and it turns out as you read the articles actually the bicyclist hit the car. Uh, we believe that the consumers will readily adopt the technology once it's shown to be safe.
1: We'll continue our conversation with Danny Shapiro after this message.
0: Driving the Future is a podcast about where the automotive industry is going and how not only to keep up with the rapidly changing business, but to shape it. Fueled by such factors as the climate crisis and the digital revolution, the automotive industry is changing. Whether we're talking about electric vehicles or the new customer experiences that digital technologies enable, whether it's transforming from being a manufacturer into an organization that provides mobility services, the map of the industry is being redrawn. Driving the Future has insights to help your organization shape the future of mobility. This season goes into such topics as electric-powered commercial vehicles, how to build strategic partnerships to increase innovation, and new omni-channel sales models. Subscribe now to the series on Capgemini, Spotify, and Apple channels, and let Capgemini help you drive the future you want.
1: I'm going to stay on the regulatory side of things because something... Really big happened recently, which was that Mercedes won approval in Germany to deploy hands free driving on a system. And they did it ahead of Tesla. Now, I know NVIDIA works with Mercedes on a lot of these systems. What did you take from this? Is this just a nice win for Mercedes and that they were able to do so because it was on their home turf and that the, and they were able to get it through the regulators or was this truly an indication that Mercedes is, is getting a step ahead and that this race is heating up?
2: I think the answers to those questions is, is all of the above really, right? There's continued innovation happening in the marketplace, which is great all systems go, you look at the the industry and just the the rate of innovation, number of new vehicles, new technologies coming out, it really is thrilling to be in this industry. I think it's it's a a very positive sign and that the technology is evolving to the point where it can be trusted uh, in these new environments. And we're just going to see it continue to to ramp in in that respect. This is a a, a big race. It's not a a quick sprint. It's a marathon. And so we're going to see a lot of players competing for a long time in this space. And we're in it for the long haul ourselves. We've been investing in it for uh, a long time. And we have a lot of work still to do. We have a lot of customers we've announced, but they're not shipping with our technology for a couple of years. And we have many more in the pipeline after that.
1: I'd be remiss if I didn't speak to you at all about the chip crisis. What percentage of Nvidia's core processors or your most important chips do you guys make in house, and what percentage do you get from third parties to protect you from shortages
2: Nvidia you know is always called a chip company. ironically, we don't make chips we're We're a fabulous company, meaning we don't have our own manufacturing. And so everything we contract out through companies like TSMC in Taiwan. We design everything. We write all the software. Uh, and then we actually work to have uh, third-party manufacturing to build out our servers and, and other products. And then we license our technology to a lot of other companies. Um, but we're always using the, the state-of-the-art, the cutting-edge process technologies. Um, we have to, right? We are on the, the leading edge of innovation in terms of the size and scale and, uh, of, of these chips, our SOCs, the system on chips, our server products, our, our graphics products for gaming. And so the chip crisis, a big part of it had been on, on legacy manufacturing. And so you know, if you heard about GM having to remove heated seats from the product line temporarily because they, they couldn't get those chips, these are generally chips that have been around for a long time and manufacturing capacity just hasn't been there and wasn't forecast properly. Uh, In our case, for the automotive industry, uh, we were not affected by that because we've been able to plan and and be able to work with our supply chain to to deliver.
1: On another topic, I wanted to get your feedback on something that's kind of a little bit of a pebble in my shoe, which is the, the different levels that we've been talking about. Because there seems to be a lot of blurring of the lines between at least now that we're getting into truly level three driving and how much more do you need to do to get to level four driving. Do you still find these levels helpful and needed or do you see a day where this will just kind of all go away?
2: Well, I think the the levels is more kind of the inside baseball, right? It was something that was developed and everyone sort of latched on early. From a consumer standpoint, I don't think the levels make sense, right? You care about, do I have to drive or can I give that over to the car, right? And then there's, well, what environments or what scenarios um, will it do that? And so is it automated parking where I can get out of the car and it will just go find a parking spot on its own and we're, we're developing that. So that could be a feature it's almost like a line item on the window sticker. Do you have valet parking and summon? You know, it will just do that. The consumer really doesn't care. Is that a level three? Is that a level four? You know, so um, robo taxis again. It's it. You push a button on your app, and it shows up, and it safely gets you there. So, I think we'll see a shift to uh, consumers experiencing this through the kinds of capabilities versus a level. And of course it has to be safe, right? That's the key thing. So you need to ensure and make it clear if it's an assistance feature that the driver is still in control and responsible or it shifts over to I hit a button, the steering wheel may um, slide away into the dash and I can now go to sleep and now the automaker is responsible. And so I think that's where uh, it's going to land.
1: As the systems get better and better, we are reaching that point where the car can do so much. And I would imagine one of the challenges that you folks are already probably trying to tackle is, how do you keep me, the driver, engaged or get me back into the loop when the system has been working uh, so well?
2: This is where we've seen now all kinds of innovation going on inside the car as well. So we have artificial intelligence that's processing the sensors outside the vehicle to understand the environment and safely pilot the vehicle. But inside, we're using artificial intelligence as well. And so we call it the drive concierge. And so this is an assistant that um, is aware of what's happening inside the car. It's able to detect the, the driver who's behind the wheel, understand who the other passengers are, it's voice capable in that it's not just understanding specific commands, but we're using conversational AI. But it's also monitoring what's going on so it knows what's happening outside the car. And if you're in a mode where you're supposed to be driving, it's going to know whether you're paying attention or not. It can provide appropriate alerts. So. Maybe you're distracted. It will know to get your eyes back on the road to give you an alert. Uh, maybe you are paying attention, but you're not looking where you need to be looking. Maybe you're looking over your shoulder to check something and then something happens right in front of you. So it can provide alerts or maybe even controls to prevent an accident. So there, there's a lot of development going on. And, um, and so we, we just announced our, our drive concierge and we'll be talking a little bit more about it at CES. We have a a keynote. We're not going to be at CES this year, unfortunately, due to the pandemic. But um, but we'll have a virtual keynote on the 8 a.m. on on January 4th. So we'd, we'd love to have your uh, your listeners tune into that as well.
1: It's been absolutely fantastic delving into this. I've really appreciated your insights and appreciate your time today to join us for the Automotive News Europe podcast. Thank you, Danny.
2: Thanks, Doug. It's always great to talk to you, and happy new year.
1: We reached Danny Shapiro at his home office in Lake Tahoe, California. If you have an idea for a future podcast or would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at dbolduck at autonews.com. For breaking news, please visit europe.autonews.com. You can listen to this podcast and a wide range of others from the Automotive News Group on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, or on our website at Europe.autonews.com. That wraps up this episode of the Automotive News Europe podcast for December 16th, 2021. I'm your host, Doug Bulldog, Managing Editor at AE. Thanks so much for joining us, and we hope you'll tune in again next time.